0: I've got Jennifer up here. She's going to help me with the whiteboard. But um, for those of you who may be new to us, we do a different thing with the Bible each week. We do a thing called the Discovery Bible Method. And um, we're going to use that for the first part of our time in the Scriptures this morning because the, the Scriptures kind of break down into two obvious parts. And so the first part we're going to do as a discovery, and then the second part I'm just gonna share with you as a reflection. But to do that, I'm gonna to have to ask various different people to help me, and I think Eric and Jason are on mics today. You, Eric, you're on this side over here. Yeah, so if you, Eric, you're on that one, and Jason, you're on this one, that's great. Let's, um, let's look at the passage together. Jennifer's gonna, to, um, she's apparently an expert on whiteboards, so. <laughs> so she's going to show us how to be an expert on whiteboards. Is that right, Jennifer? Yeah, okay. All right, so um, we're going to read from John chapter 21, and we're going to read from verses 1 through 14. I'd encourage you to read along with me. I'll give you some direction as to what else we need to do once we've read it Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. When the disciple whom Jesus loved said, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna just have maybe a couple of minutes of quiet. We're gonna look at the passage again. We'll have it on the screen, scrolling through fairly slowly. Maybe you've got it on your own phone. Uh, In the the coming weeks, uh, one of the things that we're gonna do is to have a cart in each of the aisles and even up there on the the shelf, as we call it. And uh, we're gonna have Bibles for those of you who want to have a kind of paper Bible, do the analog thing. We're going to have connect cards, for those of you who of course uh, need a connect card that's not the digital, the digital connection that you can find through the website. And also we'll have on there some doodle pads. One of the things that educationalists have recently discovered is that people who doodle actually remember and learn more, about 35% more, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? And so. We thought, well, hey, this is a time when we're all supposed to be learning, so we'll have some doodle pads there. So from next week on, we'll have those as well. But right now, let's just take this time, this moment of quiet, let's imagine ourselves in the situation, maybe we're one of the disciples in the situation, maybe we're imagining what it was like. What did the day feel like? What was the temperature like? What was the, what was the smell on the air? Was there a breeze across the water? What was it that was catching your attention as you're part of this story? And as you immerse yourself in the text, just ask yourself this one thing, what is it that's highlighted in this passage to me today? Let's do that for a moment. Okay, so let's just do this, let's just share with one other person near us, maybe there's only one person on your line, but if there's one person near you, just share with them the thing that's highlighted to you in the passage today, just the one thing, go ahead, just share it with the person next to you. Be special or spiritual, it just has to be something that's highlighted to you, something that kind of caught your attention. sure the other person shares as well. Some people are very talkative. Yeah? Okay. So we're going to get the guys on the microphones in a moment. Start thinking about what it is that you want to share with everybody else from the thing that you picked up from the passage. But before we do that, just let's, uh, let's get the characters from the passage into into this whiteboard here so just give me some of the characters names Jesus yeah good who else Peter yeah Thomas who else Who? Fish. Fish. (laughs) So there I was. I was a fish and I was in the Sea of Galilee. (laughs) And it was just after the resurrection. You'll never guess what happened. Um, Anyone else? sons Sons of Zebedee. Love them. Sons of Zebedee. Zebedee, Who knows how to spell that? I've got no idea. Zeb, but yeah, something like that. Dyslexic nightmare. That one. Um, sons of Zebedee, Anyone else? Nathaniel. Hey, there's a lot of people here. They've got they've got a lot of um, eyewitnesses to this account. Anyone else? John. Well, we got John. We we kind of got the. The disciple, I'll just put the disciple. Jesus loved, yeah. And then we're there as well, aren't we? Aren't we there? Because it just says two other disciples, yeah? Don't you, don't you like it that, it's, that it's, it's just two other disciples? So we get to be part of this too, okay? So other disciples kind of covers everybody. All right. So Jennifer's going to get that side of the board, and I'm going to get this side of the board. So the people on this side of the building, okay, it's got to be really awesome. All right, because it's a competition, but, you know. So Jason, you do this side. Eric, you do that side. What do we want to share with the rest of the team here? What are we seeing in the passage? Just put your hand up if you see something in the passage that you think is important to highlight. Eric, there's somebody right there. Anybody on this side? yeah now tell us your name and then tell us what it is that you see hi i'm sue hello sue
1: so i thought it was interesting that in the dark in the night by themselves they caught nothing but in the morning in the light with jesus they had abundance
0: ah okay so is that your side or my side is your side (laughs) wait a minute wait a minute all right okay So uh, in the, so there's kind of some symbolism you're thinking that's here, Sue, yeah? So they're in the dark, they're by themselves, they catch nothing. In the morning, in the light with Jesus, they catch a lot of things, yeah? So that's the kind of thing that you're sensing is is the, I think that's really good, yeah. Tell us your name.
1: Hi, my name is Adrian. The net was full of fish, but it did not tear.
0: Okay, you have to say that again, I didn't quite get that.
1: The net was full of fish, but it did not tear.
0: Got it. Okay, so why do you think that's significant?
1: Because um, you would think with a, a net that full of fish it would tear, but this totally, one
0: didn't. Totally, totally, 153 big fish. Now, most people don't know what a big fish is um, <laughs> because it's like, is this, this a big fish or this a big fish? In the Sea of Galilee, I've been there a lot, they catch fish that are about this size, they call them peterfish, and then there's these giant other fish, and they don't catch them very often, but I saw one guy get one, and it was the biggest shock of his life. He was just there, you know, fishing away in his boat. He was just one of the locals, fishing there with his boat, and he brought this fish in, and it was about half the size of him. It was a huge thing, and that's what they mean by the big fish, and there's 153 of them. in that. not that awesome? Okay, so, uh, full net, not torn. Don't you think that's good writing over there, by the way, from Jen? It's not quite as good as mine, but it's good. <laughs> not torn. Okay, great. What about this side? Any more over here?
1: Hi, I'm Karen. Hello, Karen. I like it that they didn't even ask him who he was. They yeah. knew who he was.
0: They never okay, had to Okay, that's good. So by now the kind of strange happenings that were, that were beginning to happen after the resurrection that made them kind of a little unsettled at first. Now they're much more kind of okay with it, yeah? They didn't have to ask him who he was because they knew who he was. Good, that's great. What about over here? Well, oh yeah, right there, yeah. Hello.
1: Good morning, I'm Rebecca.
0: Hello, Rebecca.
1: Um, It appeared to me that they're all just kind of hanging out, and they don't know what to do with themselves. And then Peter says, I'm going fishing. And that's like he's going back to his old life because he left his life to follow Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ's gone. They've seen him, but they're still kind of confused.
0: Okay.
1: And then from there, it's almost like everything that happens is an Ebenezer moment. Like it's happened before. They've Mm -hmm. seen it before. This is not their first time Mm -hmm. and then interesting for jesus to say let's have breakfast that's good it's almost like they were fasting and now they're going to break the fast
0: that's great i love it okay so so rebecca's saying here's peter everybody's kind of kicking their heels they don't know what to do what are we supposed to do now it's a whole new thing jesus has been raised from the dead but we don't have what's our job what are we supposed to do peter goes back to his old identity as a fisherman rather than his new identity as a disciple and the rest of the guys, because they've got nothing else to do, they just follow along. Yeah? And so here is a really kind of important thing about the moments in our life when we have the option of either going back to the default of our old identity or embracing and claiming the new one, and the interesting thing is, as you said, this has happened before. Yeah? They've had this kind of thing happen before, so that's cool, I love that. I'm claiming that because if you take it right down in the, is that, okay, all right, okay. So, uh, Peter went back to being a fisherman, yeah? Is that, is that okay like that? You're not allowed to add. You haven't got a microphone. No, no, don't do it. She's not allowed to. No, no, she's had enough time. That's good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's not, it's not your opportunity for a sermon, Rebecca. I know I'm horrible. I know I'm horrible. You just, you just blame me for it later. What, what else we got? We got anyone over here? Where are you? Um, I'm
1: right here. Oh, Oh, there you are. Yeah, hello. (laughs)
0: Gosh, I couldn't see you at all. just blend in.
1: um, So what stood out to me was the urgency with which Peter just jumped out of the boat. You know, he saw Jesus, knew that it was him, and he was in a boat, so he could have been like, oh, okay, well, we'll we'll just head back. But nope, he put his outer garments back on and just jumped on in and swam right to him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not many people put their clothes on. Have you noticed that not many people do that, do they? It's kind of an interesting cultural little thing there, isn't it? I, do you know what? Jesus is over there and there's water between me and him. I better get dressed. But he's kind of getting ready, isn't he? He's getting ready to rock and roll and wants to meet Jesus. Yeah, that's really good. That's yours, by the way, Jennifer. Are you good with that? You're very good with a whiteboard. Have you done whiteboards before? You said I was <laughs> messing I'm messing okay what about over here yeah right there Tell hi me. hi I, I'm Frank hello uh, Frank I, hello uh,
1: I thought it was awesome that Jesus made breakfast yeah and I'm, you know yeah
0: yeah Jesus made breakfast now I have to say that breakfast is probably my favorite meal of the day it's kinda, amen. Thank you sister, thank you for that witness. And it's like, it's, it's a cultural norm in England that you have a full English breakfast. It's the thing, eventually it'll kill you if you keep on eating them. But, um, but they are amazing to eat. I love them, I love them. Where are we, right here?
1: Hi, I'm Bradley. Hey Bradley. What's up? Um, it's summarizing kind of both of ours after we talked, but um, Jesus appeared to them three times and they had no idea it was him. Right, they, they, it says that like they didn't even recognize who it was, but yeah. it wasn't until he performed that miracle of them catching the fish that they-
0: Interesting.
1: Without a doubt knew it was him.
0: Okay, okay, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Everybody get that? So Jesus has appeared to them three times. Each time he appears to them, in the early stages of the appearance they have no idea that it's Jesus but then when he does a miracle they go oh we know who that is yeah that's kind of interesting. what I wonder I mean what do you think that is why do you think they didn't recognize it was Jesus what, have you got any thoughts on that Bradley they weren't
1: looking for him
0: they weren't looking for him Eric there you go I think that's exactly right and they definitely were not expect him to be kind of you know awesome maybe just you know recovered from a terrible injury, but he's just completely different, isn't he? We've got some hands here. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna do that one there, and then we're gonna come down here and speak to these people over here. They paid to get in, so we have to.
1: Hello, I'm hey. Kim. Um, Hello, Kim. Um, hey, uh, so the thing I keep thinking of is that Peter prioritized Jesus over all the fish. And it kind of was covered a little bit, but it was kind of incredible, because he's the guy that should have been most excited about the fish. Yeah. He just tore off, which you already mentioned, but I, I like love that, that he prioritizes. I Jesus. love that.
0: So, so Peter's here. He says, I haven't got anything to do, I'm gonna go fishing. And then they spend the whole night, they don't catch any fish, and then Jesus gives them a miracle of fish, and then I don't know what I'd have felt like if I was one of the other disciples with this giant load of fish. That I have to drag back to the shore. Because Peter's disappeared. He's gone hasn't he? He's basically being Peter again. And, uh, but he's prioritized Jesus over the fish. That's what you're basically saying isn't it Kim? Yeah? Okay. Peter. Prioritized. Jesus. Over. And Kim, because I know how deep you are, I'm gonna put fish in inverted commas because I think you're trying to make a point. (laughs) In other words, what's the fish that you need to prioritize Jesus over, huh? Hey, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Good job, okay, where are we over here? Oh there, there, no, Eric? There's one at the back there. Come on, I know who this is. you've got to tell us though. Hello, I'm Denny, like Denny's the restaurant, and uh, <laughs> Denny the, for breakfast. yeah, there you go. so uh the thing that uh, that I notice and I keep thinking about as like recurring themes of the the fishing and the
1: boat and even like Peter jumping into the water and stuff like that and um Well one, it kinda makes it hard to keep straight which occurrence of being in the boat and in the water and and things uh, that we're in the middle of, but also maybe that it's that that Jesus comes to meet us where we're at, you know, and in Mm -hmm. the midst of our
0: like familiar surroundings and gives us an opportunity to respond where we're at. Nice, so Jesus comes to meet us where we're at rather than expecting us to come where he's at. So Denny's one of the worship leaders, And uh, he's awesome. And even though he's put his hat on backwards, which means that you lose half your brain cells, (laughs) he came up with that amazing insight. Isn't that incredible? Now, kids, if you want to come up with those insights, you normally have to wear your hat the other way around, okay? That's great, brother, really cool. You get all that? Yeah, that's great. You don't have to mention the hat. Okay, okay, over here.
1: Hi, um, my name's Tim and what I noticed is that um, there's sort of this, if, if you look at the arc of this little story you have, um, they they go out and they kind of work. And they're trying to work. And their work isn't really successful until Jesus shows up. Um, but then after their work, Jesus kind of invites them in yeah. to eat with him and mm-hmm. rest. And yeah. um, I guess the, the thing that I sort of noticed is that if you know, from reading John earlier, Jesus is kind of shows a pattern of of life and 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 his ministry and how you know there's work, and then there's like rest and um yeah. fellowship,
0: okay, I like that, so you guys are so deep, aren't you? So what I'm hearing you say then, Tim, is Jesus is involving himself in the everyday things of life and if you were to break down life into big blocks life is activity and rest yeah work and kind of retreat from work and i think that what you're saying is it's interesting that when jesus is involved the work is more productive and when jesus is involved the rest is more kind of engaging and more fulfilling, yeah? Wow. Man, you could preach a whole sermon on that, couldn't you? I think that's really, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Jennifer? Is that the insight of the week? It's close. No, you think there's a... Oh, okay, you don't pick favorites, okay. You're like God. <laughs> You're like God. You don't have favorites. Okay, so um, so work and rest with Jesus is productive. Is that fair, Tim? It's a kind of a summary of what you said, but it's kind of cool. Yeah? I think we're nearly there. We maybe got one more thing on this side, maybe. Have we got over over there? Yeah, good. Um, Okay,
1: so maybe it's not
0: very deep, but... You have to tell us who you are, otherwise you're not allowed to say anything. Oh, I'm
1: Natasha, um, and I noticed that um, it kept jumping out to me that it said 153 fish. So, like, it could have said, like, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, (laughs) obviously (laughs) probably way more than that uh, with huge fish. But um, you know that they took the time to, like, count every single fish. They're like, wow, 152, 153. (laughs) Um, I just think that's kind of a cool random detail. That is
0: cool, isn't it? That is cool. And it's cool, isn't it, that when we have these amazing eyewitness accounts, we get the big miraculous stuff, but we get the detailed stuff that authenticates that this is a real, this is a real eyewitness account. And we've got a whole bunch of eyewitnesses here, and they counted 153 fish, which I think is cool. It's, that's a great, great point. So this is something that's authenticated by the testimony of the people who were present one last one last thing on this side there we go I'm Stephanie and Stephanie. yes and um, I noticed it was a small detail but I noticed that they said that Jesus told them to put the boat put the net
1: on the right side of the boat right and I'm not going to go anywhere else in scripture but that's kind of symbolic the right side just saying
0: okay is it <laughs> Why not tell it's the last, you get the last say. So what do you think is the symbol? So I
1: get the last, okay, so (laughs) the abundance they found on that right side of the boat, which also abundance lies in heaven on the right side of the Father,
0: the right hand of the Father. So so the way that, okay, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. We don't normally allow this kind of stuff. But what (laughs) Stephanie's saying is, When you look at Scripture, there are symbols involved in Scripture. we've looked at some of those symbols this morning, haven't we? And on the right hand of God is His power, His authority, is the means by which He produces abundance. And so He's saying, on the right-hand side, not the left-hand side. Yeah, is that basically what we're saying? Great. Okay. So Jesus points to abundance. Is that a fair summary? It is? All right. What about this on this side? You, I think your side's more neater than mine. Do you think her side's neater than mine? Yeah. I think I might have to give up this job. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, let's just make sure that we get the, you can do some arrows as well, Jennifer. Let's just do some arrows. So we've got Peter, we've got uh, Jesus, any more arrows that we need on here? Uh, Jesus made them breakfast. Uh, the fish, I guess they're I guess they're in the net, aren't they the fish? But the fish, according to Kim, are very symbolic. Okay, Kim, so we've got the fish actually with an arrow to the fish with the fish. yeah? So Jesus over fish, uh, I guess that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, that's really good. Now on Tuesday nights, on Tuesday nights, we use the whiteboard on a Tuesday night, but this is what we do on a Tuesday night. We get together about 6.30 until about eight. We have worship leaders like Jennifer there who kind of cover the time with praise and worship and we'll, we'll sing and praise, but generally what we're doing on a Tuesday night is we're looking to the Lord to guide us in our intercession and as we intercede we maybe share a scripture we maybe share a dream we maybe share a word that God's given to us as we've been praying or looking to him and as we do that we just collect what it is that God is saying to us on a whiteboard and it's really amazing this last week we did that and it was like wow This is really a profound thing. There were lots of scriptures up there, lots of kind of understandings of what God was saying in the prayer time. So if you want to be part of that, then Tuesday evenings, 6.30 to 8, right in here. Uh, Eventually, we'll have the the prayer room open, uh, maybe next week if we get it all done with the the work days today and next week. But if you want to be part of that, then, then feel free to join us. And then if you want to join us for prayer in the mornings, 8.30, we're online Um, and in the building from 8.30 to 9.00 and uh, you can look on the website for all of the links for the Zoom room. Everybody good? A round of applause for Jennifer please. Thank you very much Jennifer, great job. So, here's the thing. We've got the end of John's Gospel right here in front of us. And of course, the key character in the story is Jesus but as so often the leader of the disciples who will be the leader of the church in those early days and years of the church's life after Pentecost is Peter and so Peter is a key character and so often because of his frailties because of the way that his personality is so clearly revealed in the text we often find ourselves identifying with him So what we're going to do now is we're going to read the completion of of John's gospel. And um, I'm just going to share with you a few uh, closing thoughts as we conclude our study together. I'm going to read from John chapter 21 and verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? because Jesus asked him a third time do you love me he said Lord you know all things you know that I love you Jesus said feed my sheep very truly I tell you when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return. What is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written now in a a few minutes we're going to have the kids come back and we're going to commission the kids to enter their new school year uh, both in the protection and presence of Jesus but also as his representative and we're going to give them a a little stone of remembrance that reminds them of Jesus being with them through this year and um, I know that parents uh, will want to encourage them with those thoughts as they get into this year and we've been working with the teenagers I've uh, I've met with them uh, on a Wednesday evening I'm going to be back with them again next Wednesday and we've been just opening up the new year for the college students as well. So things are beginning to move in a specific direction. And we're wanting to do something that is particular and profound. And today's passage is gonna help us get at what it is that God has planned for us as a community and has been unfolding to us over these past few years. But to get there, I'd like to just make sure that we're all aware of the scene that we have before us. Peter, as has so helpfully been pointed out, is conscious that he's failed as a disciple. He's betrayed Jesus. He's done the very thing that Jesus said he would do and that that he protested that he never would. But he's, he's denied Jesus three times. He's denied him as he warmed his hands On a charcoal fire in the courtyard of the high priest. Peter was there, no doubt, trying to think of ways in which he could help Jesus get out of the situation that he was in. He wanted to be a friend to Jesus. He wanted to to be someone who stood with Jesus. He wanted to be someone who used all of his gifts and his abilities and his capacity to get Jesus out of this terrible situation that was unfolding before him. John was also there, but he was much, uh, if you like, a more quiescent presence. He was there simply observing, witnessing, and remembering so that he could record later. John, of course, would record one of the Gospels. Peter uh, would not have that privilege. Peter has failed as a disciple. Even after the resurrection of Jesus and after seeing Jesus alive, that lurking feeling of failure that personal disappointment still holds him and grips him he's wanted to be the disciple that Jesus could be proud of and he's missed it and so now they're back in Galilee they're back in their home area they're back in their home location the Sea of Galilee is something that they know really well this is the place where Peter's worked all his life and he's worked with his business associates the sons of Zebedee James and John he's been there with his brother Andrew maybe the best thing he can do is to go back to what he was good at he used to be good as a, as a fisherman Peter's house it's well attested both archeologically and historically, is, um, is a location just, just north of the water. Really there's only, there's only the, the dock buildings that are between him and the water. And Peter's house not only is close to the water, but is very close to the synagogue. So Peter is a man of high status within the community in which he lives. He's close to the center of faith, synagogue you can throw a stone to his house from the synagogue steps he's close to the place of business the, the the closer you are to the business of course indicates the level that your business is at so this is a man of significance within his community and Peter wonders whether this is where he needs to be now so he goes back fishing the guy's really leaderless right now don't know anything else to do so they say well we'll come to they spend the whole night fishing and catch nothing it's not a very common thing to catch nothing in the in the fertile and productive waters of the sea of galilee this is this is a, a body of water that has provided for tens of thousands of people in the time of jesus there were multiple cities maybe maybe a dozen cities, fairly large cities, hundreds of thousands of people lived on the bounty of the Sea of Galilee. This was, not a, this was not an unlikely place to go and get fish. But they spend the whole night and they catch nothing. And maybe an echo, a memory, begins to emerge in the back of their minds. Wasn't there a time when we spent the whole night fishing and caught nothing? Wasn't there a time, when was that? It was a few years ago, wasn't it? Oh, I remember. It was the day that Jesus called us to follow him. It was the day when we started our new life. You see, this is something that God will do in your life on a regular basis. You'll find yourself wandering, you'll find yourself straying, you'll find yourself with your mind going off after other things. Maybe you'll be hankering after an old way of living. And what God will do is he will bring you back to the moment when you surrendered to him, the moment when he so revealed himself to you that it changed your life forever. One of the reasons that that Sunday church in America is designed in the way that it is for so many people is that Sunday services need to look like youth camp because that's when people met Jesus. And so often you'll go to churches and their services look very, very much like a youth chapel. It's kind of fun and people are doing crazy stuff and then there's worship people and there's people running around there's a charismatic preacher who's kind of got really interesting and dynamic illustrated messages kind of gets you back to that moment when most people in the American church met with Jesus at their youth camp Jesus will always take you back to the moment when you surrendered And surely he does that here with Peter and the rest of the disciples. John, the disciple that Jesus loved, identifies as Jesus, of course. They've got this huge catch of fish. The first time the huge catch of fish, of course, was pre-resurrection. This is post-resurrection. The difference is pre-resurrection, the nets are torn. Post-resurrection, the nets are not torn. Isn't that interesting? the abundance and the bounty of God will not be lost or spoiled in your life because we're post-resurrection. You're not going to lose it. You don't have to hang on to it. You don't have to garner it and protect it, the things that God's given you. You can be liberal and abundant and generous because the nets they 're not going to be torn Peter jumps in he 's probably stripped to the waist it 's not a good thing in the time of Peter to greet a person kind of semi naked and so he puts his clothes on because he wants to honor Jesus in the greeting, so he jumps in and leaves the guys who i 'm sure are grumbling in the boat saying, "Sure, yeah, you go ahead and speak to jesus and we'll pull the we'll pull the net in." They get the net in, and right there on the beach is the only other place in the whole Bible where this word is used anthrotokos anthrotokos two places in the Bible John 18, John 21 John 18 when Peter warms his hands on an anthrotocos fire a charcoal fire The second time when Jesus is making breakfast on a anthrotokos fire, a charcoal fire, Peter's all excited, maybe he can be a disciple, maybe he's being called back to the very beginning again. It's it's just like the first days of Jesus coming to them in Galilee and, and the great catch of fish and maybe it'll all start again, this would be wonderful. And Peter just, jumps in the water and just enthusiastically rushes towards Jesus. And there in front of him is the symbol of his failure. You see, Jesus will never condemn you but he will confront you with the things that need to change. He will confront you. Not so that you feel burdened and condemned, lost and alone, but so that you can establish the kind of relationship that is not always blown around by every change of weather, by every change of circumstance. I don't know how Peter felt as he sat by that charcoal fire. But my guess is, he was kind of dry in the mouth. He felt a little bit anxious. He maybe felt a little tight in his chest. He maybe didn't kind of cut up with the rest of the guys as they were talking excitedly about being with the risen Lord. And then, and then Jesus calls him to one side Peter do you agape me more than all of these other things there's several words in the New Testament for love the four regular ones are the love of family, storge the love of friends, Philadelphia the love of lovers, eros, and the love of God which pursues us and gives us everything and is looking for the response of a surrendered life and that's agape love. Jesus says to Peter, Peter do you agape, do you surrender your life to me? And are you prepared to love me in a way that means that all this other stuff is secondary? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you as a friend. I filio you. Now what is Peter saying? He's saying, last time I remember you calling us to love you, you said this, greater love has no one than that he lays down his life for his friends. And that's what I tried to do. I, I went to the courtyard of the high priest. I was basically saying, you know, I'll die. I'll die for you, Jesus. But you see, Jesus doesn't want Peter's plan. Jesus wants to know whether Peter will surrender his plan and let Jesus have the plan. You're going to die as a friend, but I want you to surrender even that plan. I need to define the way that you surrender your life, not according to your plans, but according to my plans. Peter says, Lord, you know know I'm your friend. Now, as Jesus is reinstating Peter, of course, he's erasing each of the denials with the three reinstatements. So we kind of get that. But it's really important that we understand what it is that Jesus gives Peter to do. He says, okay, feed my lambs. The lambs will be coming in in a minute. The lambs are the youngest and the most vulnerable. So either they are physically the youngest or spiritually the youngest. They're the ones who are the least mature in the faith. And Jesus says, I want you to feed them. And immediately our picture is hand feeding a lamb. That's not the picture. What does it mean when Jesus says, feed my lambs? It literally means this. I want you to take them into pasture so that they can get their own food. Say to your neighbor, get your own food. Get your own food. So this is really important, okay? This is really important. What is it that we're doing on a Sunday? We're training and coaching and encouraging you to get your own food. Not dependent upon Mike, not dependent upon Chad or Jason, not dependent upon anybody else. Sure, I've been trained to to give you direction in the scriptures. I've got all kinds of degrees. But what's the thing that I've been asked by Jesus to do? The same thing he's asked you to do, which is help the younger ones... Learn how to get food for themselves. It's so important, parents. It's so important, leaders. It's so important, friends and neighbors. Our task is to help others. Learn what it means to feed themselves, Jesus says a second time. Peter, do you agape me? Are you prepared to surrender all things for me? Peter's going, uh, I'm your friend, I philio. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. What does that mean? The, The word literally means, the word picture is this set up the conditions in which the sheep can prosper, protect them, provide for them, and create the environment that shepherds create that mean it's possible for the sheep to flourish and prosper. That means, of course, that they know how to access and get good food. They know how to interact with one another effectively. And they learn perhaps the most important thing, that they're supposed to become like the shepherd who is the lamb of God. And so all of us are supposed to look like sheep and shepherds. And so we grow in the conditions that have been provided by God in the people that are taking care of us so that we grow into something We grow into the very maturity that God wants for us. It's so important that we hear this. About 80% of young people who leave their church youth work stop going to church when they go to college. About 80%. Committed Christians... In the old days, they used to say, well, you know, when they get married and get kids, they'll they'll come back. Uh, All of the data says that's not the case. 50% of boomers my age and older, I'm a very young boomer. 50% of the people my age and older who've come out of COVID have not gone back to church. It's 54%. Over half of the people who were committed members of churches have not gone back. And the reason? You see, if you spoon feed people and then stop spoon feeding them, they starve. Because they don't know where to get the food, they're looking for the spoon. They're looking for the person who holds the spoon. And that's why with our young people, with the children, with the people in your house church, with the people who are in your communities on mission, we have to take responsibility to create the conditions where we can grow to maturity ourselves and become the people God wants us to be, not through spoon feeding, but through the call to maturity, which means that we learn how to read the Bible for ourselves yeah Peter still hasn't got it Jesus says a third time and he kind of switches on him he says Peter are you my friend he says Peter do you filio me it's almost like he's saying I'll see your friendship and I'll raise you total sacrifice so you're really ready to lay down your life for me, are you, Peter? Okay. Well, let's see. At that point, Peter is torn inside because he knows what it is that Jesus is saying. I've got to give up my agenda and take on yours. And Jesus says, that's the only way forward, Peter, because that way forward is the way to flourishing And spiritual prosperity. And the final thing he says is follow me. Children, adults, Jesus has a question for you every day of your life. And the question is this Do you love me? more than everything else in your life. Because if you love me more than everything else in your life, then your life will be amazing and will be transformative and will change the world. But if you have another love before me, then it's impossible for me to do the things through you that I wanna do because I need an open heart and an open life and a person who says I love you more than anybody else. Amen? As you go from this place, remember Jesus is not asking you how well you've done. He's not asking you whether you've been a good person today. He's not asking you whether you've been nice to your spouse. He's asking you, do you love me more than anything else? That's the big question of love.